You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Stand by for high-octane, action-packed drama in the courtroom. Let's see if this tribunal can do Warp 9. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and you're with us, and it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Heather Barker. Tonight on Mission Log Live, it's time for more stories of Pike and his crew with Strange New World Season 2, Episode 2 at Astra Per Aspra. If you would like to be a part of our live discussion, you know what to do. But just in case you're new to Mission Log Live or need a reminder, just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone or you can call us. 669-900-6833 and enter the meaning code and password you see in the show notes. And the Earl Green of the Earl Green Room will get you settled right in. You know, there's a lot of shows that have a green room, but not every show has an Earl Green or an Earl Green Room. That's what no. makes us special. Yeah, They are not apparent- as lucky. And apparently so much of the action happens in the Earl Green Room. So I, I feel like you and I miss out a bit on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, it's so good to be here with you. Finally, continuing the Mission Log tradition of welcoming our guest host back for each new Trek series. And um, since you've really taken it and run with it, um, I want you to tell us a little later about what you're doing on Strange New Worlds chats live in our Discord. Maybe we'll do that at the bottom of the hour when we talk uh- about Patreon. That sounds yeah. perfect. Good plan. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. Cool. We'll, we'll do that. And in the meantime, before we get the show going, let's say hi to some of the folks in the chat. Um, I get a little awkward for you. I'm looking at it on a phone. I imagine you're probably looking at it on your computer. So if I miss people, let me know. Uh, let's see. There's Stefan. There's Paul. I believe we'll have another Paul in there in a moment. Uh, let's see here. There is Jane. Good to see you, Jane. Always a great contributor in our uh, weekly live chats on Discord. Scott Palm. Good to see you, Scott. There. Oh, there's our other Paul. There's Paul T. And uh, let's see. Oh, there's you. So you are simultaneously here and there. Uh, That I am. (laughs) Yes. Uh, There's Dave. Probably have another Dave in a moment. There's Alan. There's Willie McCauley. Hello, Mr. Willie. There's Dom. There's Matt. Uh, Who else? Oh, my God. Three Pauls. We got a Paul Fecta. That's so awesome to see. So uh, welcome, everybody. Glad to have you with us. I see a very important Lieutenant Jay in there. (gasps) Lieutenant J. Oh, Tracy, my friend. Good to see you. And there's Karen, by the way. And there's Mary Moore Bauer. And uh, oh, my gosh, Carlos and everybody's coming to hang out with us tonight. I love all the best. All the best. Yeah. So before we get into the recap and uh, oh, my so much good stuff to discuss on this week's episode. Before we get to that, uh, let's talk about the news in Mission Log Land. Top of the news. We are all bummed about the cancellation and the odd bouncing of Prodigy from the Paramount Plus schedule. Now, your Mission Log Prodigy host, Norm Shar and special guest, Earl, will get together this week to record a special episode to address all the news, the frustration, and our hope for the future. That episode will drop next Tuesday, so stay tuned at podcast.roddenberry.com and click on the Mission Log Prodigy link there. Oh, and and while you're at it, uh, follow us on at ML-Prodigy on Twitter, because uh, you'll be able to get the news there, too. Now, uh, as we normally do, our coverage of Voyager continues 
continues this Thursday with Worst Case Scenario, the one where Tuvok plays hollow novel author and cooks up the worst case scenario until Seska makes it worse-er. And Heather, please <laughs> let our guests know what is happening elsewhere in our Mission Log programming, if you would. Well, over on Mission Log, the Orville, we're currently covering the Orville graphic novels by David A. Goodman, which are set between seasons two and three. Our friends Mike and Jessica Lynn are doing that. An amazing job and very interesting and fun stories. So I think everybody should give those a read and a listen to the podcast. I'll second that for sure. And where might people find those and other great shows? Let me tell you where, John. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> These shows and more are available at podcast.ronberry.com and all can be enjoyed on YouTube as well. That address is www.youtube.com or slash, sorry, Ronberry Entertainment. There you go. Perfect. Love it. Um, and by the way, uh, Jesse, even before, because I'm about to do the recap, I'm just like, I'm ready, ready to do the recap. <sighs> and uh, Mr. Willie in the chat says, Ad Astra, probably the best trek I've seen in years. Years. You hear that? Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> Look, I love I love all of Trek. Yes. So I, I don't want to say like this is the best compared to anything. Right. Um, but this, it's really funny because I was just saying in one of our Discord chats the other day how I've been waiting for the speech episode, right? Oh, I want yeah. one of those good, meaty speeches, and I got a whole episode. Yeah, you did. It's, you did. It blew me away. I'm so excited to hear what everyone has to say about it. Um, so I, I think you should jump into this recap, which looks extremely long and <laughs> very really? good. It gives us plenty of time for our listeners to call in with their meaty opinions on this meaty episode. Okay, so if you will indulge me, here we go. Ad Astra, Ad Aspera, per Aspera, (laughs) not Ad Aspera. Una is still in space jail, which means Pike needs to go find a space lawyer. And he finds one on the inhospitable world inhabited by the Illyrians in the Volterra Nebula. Only this space lawyer knows Una and knows the case, and she's not interested. Mostly because she sees the underlying prejudice in the situation and doesn't want to stoop to defending Illyrians in front of a Starfleet that wouldn't have them. Also, she knows Una and they had a falling out. But Pike is so persuasive. He's extending a personal olive branch and he really wants to save his friend from dishonorable discharge. Plus, the space lawyer, Nira, could use this opportunity to boost her own career and take on the very institution that she holds in some level of disdain, much like how she feels about Una. So, Nira shows up to a chilly reception from Una, but they get right to the point. Una served Starfleet well. But they found out that she was Illyrian and thus genetically modified, and they wanted to kick her out. Uh, That was her passion, her life. By Una rejecting the plea deal and by Nira challenging Starfleet, Captain Battelle reapproaches Starfleet with an amended charge. Now it's about submitting false documents along with the bioengineering and sedition for good measure. She's seeking to toss Una in space jail for about 20 years. And that's all before the opening credits. 
with Starfleet throwing everything at them. Nira and Una need a strategy. Una's history and accomplishments really won't cut it since it's really all about the lying, not about her record. Nira sets up shop on the Enterprise in Una's old quarters and in drops La'an, who asks if just maybe some of the evidence against Una was obtained illegally and that could get her case thrown out. Maybe? No reason just asking. And that leads La'an at first to inquire with Uhura if she could bring up all of Una's logs and communications. Um, no. Meanwhile, Captain Pike gets a pep talk from Captain Patel that goes something like, keep your mouth shut. And Spock is confronted by an old family friend, Captain Pasalk, who just happens to be working for the prosecution. It's a warm and fuzzy Vulcan greeting, which means that it's seething with resentment and disdain. The tribunal begins. The charges are read and both sides give their opening statements. The law versus the lie. And partly on trial here, whether the law itself is just. Robert April is first on the stand, reluctantly admitting that he would not have sponsored Una's application to Starfleet if he had known the truth. When he's cross-examined, you better believe Nira throws a lot of prime directive violations from April's past into the court record, making that point that Starfleet officers bend or break rules literally all the time. That doesn't play well in front of a Starfleet tribunal, and the entire testimony is stricken from the record. That leads Una to confront Nira about her um, tactic, which patently embarrasses the Federation, but Nira just moves on to continue her work. Next, a bunch of Una's Enterprise crewmates take the stand, and naturally, they are full of praise for their friend. Oh, wait, there is the matter of La'an Nudian Singh, related to one particularly famous genetically augmented historic figure. <clears throat> Who could that be? That brings us to a private late-night conversation in which La'an tells Nira she's no closer to finding out who leaked Una's communications, but there are those who suspect La'an herself. Why? Because at one point, La'an was angry about Una's secret and recorded it in a personal log. That was a personal thing, though. She was hurt, feeling that she had been lied to, but Nira assures her that the leak was not her fault. The real culprit? Well, maybe La'an should put some of her investigative skills back to work. Now it's time for Una herself to take the stand. She answers truthfully about everything, especially her desire to be in Starfleet, to overcome her own hardships by heading to the stars. And those hardships go right back to her childhood, keeping Illyrian traditions alive, only in the shadows. Seeing a child and his family arrested for being augments in another incident, Una nearly died from an injury if her family hadn't found a sympathetic underground doctor to treat her. Eventually, as the city was split into Illyrian and non-Illyrian, Una's family could pass, and they left for the non-Illyrian side of things. And now we know the rift between her and Nira. But then she wanted to join Starfleet to go to the stars with people from a myriad of backgrounds, and eventually the weight of living a lie became too much. Una leaked her own personal logs because she wanted to live authentically and safely among her crew, and she felt that Starfleet's ideals, her belief in those ideals, would welcome her. It is moving testimony. 
But remember Spock's nemesis, Pasalk? He gets up to question Una about the date Captain Pike knew the truth about her, and she answers that it was a full four months before her arrest. Therefore, Captain Pike is now implicit in a case of conspiracy. This Vulcan is playing hardline with logic, regardless of emotion, Una lied, and now has dragged a great officer into the firing line of a court-martial. Nira's got just one more thing, though. A page right out of the Starfleet Code. It has to do with people fleeing persecution, and Starfleet's role in providing asylum, and a captain's exercise of discretion when doing so. Nira points out that upholding this rule absolves Una and Pike, and it upholds the very ideal of the law. The tribunal is convinced. While they upend this policy against augment, while they won't upend this policy against augments just yet, they can look at the circumstance of Una as an individual and indeed grant her asylum. Nero one, Battelle and Pasalk zero. The Enterprise crew and their first officer are back on board. And with that score and the reconciliation with Una, it's Nira out to a round of applause. With a full crew and a hug for Una from Captain Pike, it's back to work. The end. Bravo. That was Thank you. I was I was reliving the episode as you read it. Ah. Well, thank you. I had to have a little bit of fun with it, but uh, you know. It was fun stuff. That's an intimidating episode to write a recap for. So props to you and everyone out there (laughs) who had to take on the job of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A lot happening there. And look, I don't want to spoil my thoughts. I, I will say that every season of the new track that has come since discovery started in 2017, there are episodes that just kind of rise to the top. And I think, Ooh, That'll be a great one to talk about nine years from now on Mission Log when we do another deep dive. And this is one that I just kept thinking, wow, do I write all those notes now or do I save them for 2032? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. I I have envy and I can't wait for that episode of Mission Log, even though I'm going to be waiting some time. I'm excited for it. Well, maybe uh, Norman and I can record it now. We'll we'll get you a preview copy and then we'll just put it <laughs> for a release date, you know, September twenty thirty two. I finally get screeners. Yay. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, uh speaking of our own tribunal here on Mission Log, let us go to uh regular caller, friend of the show, and that would be Chris. Cannot wait to hear what you have to say. Chris, welcome. Hey, good to see you, John. Good to see you, Heather. Wonderful Hi. to see you again. Um, no, this, I mean, it was a great one. I mean, I think we're going to hear it a lot tonight, but it was a great one. I'm yeah. going to steal one of your lines, John. It was a, okay. a grabby by the, the shirt collar kind of week. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. it's just, oh my goodness. I think easily top three, like, new Star Trek of, like, Primary Plus era streaming Star Trek. Um, yeah. But yeah, just so much stuff. I mean, in particular, I really liked the the scene between Nira and La'an, and mm. she has this line, like, you, you are not born a monster. You are only born with Ugh. the capacity for actions to do good or bad. And I was yes. like, that is, like, that's the thesis right there. It's like, that's it. But yes, it's a wonderful episode. Wonderful episode. 
I have the and, whole quote if you'd like to hear it. Yes, I would love please. To hear it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it's a really long quote. Are you sure? Do right, it. Lay on. it on. Hold I just on. talked a lot, so okay. do it. Okay, and I, and I there's a dot 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 here. Could okay. it be that you carry your family's augmentations and you believe that because of them you may become dangerous? There's nothing wrong with you, Lieutenant. No hidden monster inside. It's how they make us feel. They look down at us for so long that we begin to look down our down on ourselves. Genetics is not destiny, despite what you may have been taught. The fear you have of yourself is not your own. It was drilled into you. You're not born a monster. You were just born with the capacity for actions, good or ill, just like the rest of us. Uh, That's so good. And I, I love that point about saying it's not you, it's how they make you feel. It is 100% mm-hmm. about those reactions. And obviously, there are so many real-world parallels that you or I and anybody who calls into this show tonight and in the many essays and comments that could be made about this, that you can parallel to current topics. Yes. But at the same time, on the micro level, this is so much about anybody who has felt put upon, bullied, marginalized, made to feel less than, um, that I I love the sentiment of that speech so much. There are so many points watching this episode that has felt like a little choked up, like, oh my God, this is, you know, Chris, you you said it and I I have to give a little credit. I, I think it was Women at Warp or somebody from their crew or somebody that we were having a discussion about Star Trek tipping over from commentary to advocacy Mm. and there you can't do it often you go back to the original series let that be your last battlefield to me this is this series let that be your last battlefield um in a really profound great way that really speaks to the 21st century the way that hopefully that show spoke to the audience in 1967 68 sorry if i got the date wrong um But I love that when you can reach through the TV screen, grab the collar and say, no, 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 listen, this is what this is about. Um, And I wonder, okay, so the three of us and presumably other people who will call into the show might have a similar reaction to it. But I wonder, and I pose it to the two of you and I'll pose it to others who call in. Since Discovery premiered, there has been negative pushback about Star Trek being too socially conscious, too into this, like, like cramming this message down the audience's throat. I don't agree with it, but that is an argument that some people make, I think, disingenuously very often. But then this episode comes along and says, no, 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 no. <laughs> now we're really now we're re- you thought that was something we were doing. Now we're really going to do it. Do you think this is is it Star Trek doubling down? Is it just like this is the natural progression? Because of course we get an episode like this. What do you think goes into it? I think I think definitely like you do, like every Star Trek gets one of these, and you know. <laughs> but I also think like it. This is the one you get because it feels right. Like if you're going to like swing the pendulum all the way, this is the one you do it on because the story beats say you should because this is what una's story is it's literally about persecution it's literally about prejudice and whereas i think some people they criticize they would say it was maybe forced like the other episodes are maybe forced 
into a story that it needed. This, you need it. This, this story doesn't work if you don't confront kind of the reality that is at the heart of it. Is that, you know, like she says, sort of the, the other theme of the episode, like, is a law worth it if the law is unjust? And so I think, yes, like, like it is, you do get it because that is the world we live in, but also this episode earns it and totally deserves it, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, our, our very own Earl in the Earl Green Room just commented, it's Star Trek saying, okay, one more time, louder for you people in the back. <laughs> and I, I think it does that in a way that is not so... The only uh, the only time that I really see any validation at all for saying that Star Trek has been too woke or too liberal or whatever mm-hmm. was including Stacey Abrams, who I love and am a fan and supporter mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say like we haven't had appearances by people throughout Star Trek, but I think that was a very forward move and that move especially triggered. Well, it triggered Ted Cruz. So <laughs> it, it absolutely true, tri- yeah. triggered that base. I wish that instead of saying that they're they're shoving this down our throats i think i wish people would say that this makes me uncomfortable and then let's have a conversation about why i don't think that this episode goes too far i think that this episode is actually a little bonk bonk on the head Mm -hmm. um not so much i mean it's it's not doing that in the writing the writing is exceptional Um, this episode, I will note very quickly, um, was was largely produced by women, directed mm. by women, written by written, written by written, written by women. <laughs> Too many words in my mouth. Um, <laughs> in- incredible performances by our actresses, tons of, of women behind the scenes. And I'm just blown away by the heart um, that is here because I I was trying to ask myself, is this an episode that I would use to introduce someone to Star Trek? Ah. I feel like there is enough there that is the meat of of what Star Trek stands for, that anybody would get those messages and come away from this episode understanding what Star Trek is, what Star Trek aims to be without knowing everything about because you know even with una we didn't know <laughs> we didn't know about una so this is right. new to us as well um and we don't know a lot about illyrians and so my wish is that sometime in the future uh we we do a, a deep dive into are illyrians really a danger yeah well you know why why are they you know that that's a whole big conversation i'm sure it's, <laughs> right. it's very large for mission log live and by the way, just to back you up and all of us up, Jane in the chat says, Mission Log Live, the meatiest. <laughs> and I don't think she's wrong. Don't think she's wrong. Uh, Chris, uh, we've got a few people waiting to chat with us. So uh, any final thought? Uh, yeah, I'll just say I would love uh, I'd love a Nero spinoff, honestly. Like big <laughs> Daredevil. Like when Daredevil got to do the courtroom scenes, I think that was when Daredevil was at its strongest. And yeah. this was just fantastic. I really like that actress. Yeah. I like yes. her like 1920s jazz club smoky voice. Yes. Everything yes. about her is wonderful. So please bring her back. She's very wonderful. Kanaya Yatide Badaki is her name. There we go. And she was phenomenal. Said it better than I could. Yeah, Nira, space lawyer, coming soon to a streaming <laughs> platform other than Paramount+. Plus. Uh, all right, Chris, thank you so much, my friend. We'll see you next time. All right, see ya. Bye. All right, be good. Hey, uh, we've got Brandon, who's been waiting patiently. Brandon, good to see you. Welcome to the show. Good to see you, too. Good to see you, Heather. Hi. I 
loved this episode. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually loved at the end of it, my wife turned to me and she said, wow. And then there was just that just sort of hung there for like 30 seconds. And then because I can't be quiet for very long, we started talking about it. Um, <laughs> but I, this, this was a level of boldness. This was a level of uh, really being just like what you're talking about that. I, I, I don't just love it in Star Trek. I crave it. And, mm-hmm. and I think you guys were talking about like how it gets presented. And yet I think there are a lot of people who are very disingenuous. Oh, I don't like how the messaging was presented, but I did sometimes feel with discovery and, and Picard, like I was getting slapped with it. And I was like, Oh my God, not the face. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, uh, but this just was such a beautiful telling and it was so applicable. I mean, w- my, my wife and I just, after the episode, she's like, well, I mean, it, it was applicable to this group of people throughout history and this group of people today and this group. Of, and, I, and it yes. was, I was, we were just kept coming up with more and more and more people as it's this, this, this look at the past and at the present and a dire warning about the future. And yes. what we need to, how we need to be better. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. Um, and I <laughs> could, I could talk to you guys for like six hours about it. But the, I think the one <laughs> thing that I would really love to zoom in on that really caught me was, yeah. well, I mean, the whole episode, but the one that I'll talk about this time was uh, Uhura's scene with La'an. Because yeah. the other messaging around this. It, there's there's a lot there, but Uhura's scene with La'an had a great just sort of sub message where it's like you're 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 fighting the good fight, but it is so easy in the face of injustice to want to use injustice to fight it. Your <sighs> heart is in the right place, you want to do the right thing, but you can't fight the fruit of the poisonous tree with the fruit from another poisonous tree. Well said, man. Bravo. That's beautiful. See, I'll, I'll get choked up just hearing you say that <laughs> because it's everything in this episode is about the ideals that we hope for ourselves, that we hope that we are enacting and truly living. And uh, we see time after time how we fall short of that. But it takes a show like this to, again, grab you by the collar and say, no, 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 you, you can actually be better. You can actually act better and work for better outcomes for all people. Um, and, and even in this episode, even in the context of the episode, it may not be the perfect ending, but it is the step forward that they need. And yeah. I, I want to come back to this. I, I hope that this isn't just dropped and we never hear from it again. I hope that there's more to come. And if we get more of Space Lawyer, then I'm down. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, uh, any other thoughts before we go to our next caller? Um, the the one thing that I wanted to just I we don't I'm not gonna dive into it, but that I thought was very interesting, that phrase um that is the episode's title appears in a ton of different orders and terminologies that get shuffled around to mean the same thing. And I had always heard it as per ardua ad astra through struggle oh. to the stars. And I thought yes. it was very interesting that in this one the stars come first yes. and the struggle is just how you get there. Yes. I, I'd always heard it um, translated as to the stars despite adversity. And mm-hmm. I, I think they 
I, there are a lot of ways you can try, but I think the meaning absolutely comes clear. But I, I love that, that, that that is that is the goal. We have our eyes there, no matter what. And it was just beautiful to hear Una describe that in the episode. Yeah. Brandon, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Great to hear from you. Till next time. And hey, how about before we go to the break, we say hello to our friend, Paul. I'm not going to say which, Paul. You'll have to figure it out if you're watching from home. It's such a mystery. It's such a mystery which Paul it's going to be on Monday night. How are you, man? Well, why do I feel like I've just been hit by a shuttle? Uh, Because you've been drinking? I don't know. Tell us. (laughs) No, it's because I've watched this episode twice, and I've watched this Utide Badecki give an Emmy-worthy I, I just have not seen an actor walk in and mop up the floor with everybody else. And they're right. all really good. The shit just, the presence, the material. It made me feel like I was back at Trekfest in Iowa. It was just such a live experience, <laughs> which Trekfest in Iowa is, is what you do on the weekends in June, you know, because where else to go? But, um, I, I just cannot thank. The, the the women involved, uh, Valerie Weiss right. and Rebecca Romaine and Utide just have laid out a message in a way that if you don't get this, you're just an idiot. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it is so amazing, amazing to watch somebody, particularly, you know, this, the, uh, the Vulcan who came in at the end and just, you know, was going to rule and she just took him and mopped the floor with him too. It was amazing. I, I can't I can't say anything more than that. Um, you took my one on genetics is not destiny, so that was uh, that was one of my points. But I'm got I have one more here about how they just had this subtle subterfuge. How you thought Laan was going to be involved with this, mm. and not really. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what I want to leave you with before you go to the commercial is yes. okay. I'm I'm old enough to have watched um, Spock's trial. And then um, shortly after we were married, we got to watch A Measure of a Man. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, in this part of my life, I get to watch this. And I just wonder what your thoughts are and how important this will be in, in 20 years. I think this is equally as important, if not more so, than The Measure of a Man um, and Trek lore. And uh, I just, I can't say enough good things about this episode. So... Go, you go to it. Yeah, go to it, Heather. I want to hear your thoughts on that question. I genuinely hope that we talk about how outdated this episode is and we've moved so far forward uh, mm. that we don't need it anymore. Um, but I, I think this will stand out across time as one of the best episodes of Star Trek. And I think that at the end of the day, I, I don't know that these issues are going to go away. And so I think that the more frequently we have these conversations, the better. And if it's there to help foster a conversation 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 200 years from now, I'm grateful. I hope we don't have to have those conversations, but I think this is a pretty good blueprint for reminding us of our potential and and what we can do when we look at each other as equals Maybe just maybe it will look as dated as let that be our last battlefield in 50 years. There we wow. go. You know, that, that would be awesome. One day. It would be nice. Yeah. So but, uh, um, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, John. 
I, I was going to say that I, I think you really hit the nail on the head that I, I have a note somewhere. By the way, this is my favorite kind of show where I, I, I took a ton of notes. I think Heather took a ton of notes and we will barely get to 1% of them because these calls are so good and so provocative on such a good episode. Um, but I, I, I wrote somewhere in my notes that Star Trek gets to do this with this format every now and then. You know, I've always said, okay, you can use Star Trek and you get to do a Western or you get to do a romance or you get to do something else. And you can play in this giant Gene Roddenberry sandbox and tell these different types of stories. And every now and then Star Trek gets to do a courtroom drama, but almost every time they completely knock it out of the park. And I think about all the freak mirror universe episodes that i've waded through in the years and years and years of doing star trek commentary and you know it's like okay you get through that but then if i've got like five great trial dramas that really say something that just really stand out at the end of that i will take those anytime and rewatch those anytime because they are so powerful and just get to the heart of star trek's message Speaking speaking of the Star Trek message and mission log, I'm going to lead you into your ad. And thank okay. you for for, for uh, the Patreon membership, which is as low as a dollar a month because you get to meet people like your next caller. Yes. And then you want to meet them in person. So you do indeed hop in your car and drive to, you know, Riverside, Iowa to meet your friend from Des Moines. And yes. you get to meet each other for the first time. So I'd love to hear you two talk about the the Patreon and and what it what it brings you and Discord, which then brings you into Contiki and discussions about all sorts of other shows and just some great things. And we'll leave you with that. And it's always great to see you two. So have a great night. Take care, Paul. Master of the segue. I thought that was Norm's job, but uh, Paul just nailed it. Um, wow, Heather, patreon.com slash mission log. That gets you into our Patreon community, more importantly, into the Discord community. And I tease it at the top of the show. You have taken it and run with it. Um, you've been doing a rewatch of Strange New Worlds that led us right up to the premiere of season two. And now that season two is on, Tell everybody what you're doing. So I'm getting together with all these amazing, awesome, cool people that I love very much. And we just talk about Star Trek Streams New Worlds. <laughs> Look, it, I was okay. Art, this show went for about an hour and a half last week. I was up for at least two more hours. Just like, oh, my God, I need to talk about more Star Trek. Uh, and it, it's really just that. For me with Picard, since I was in the chat for Picard, I was like, I want to talk about it more. So since I have the opportunity to do that with Strange New Worlds, I said, let's do it. We have a great group of people with so many different perspectives. Some people love it. Some people, nobody hates it. Uh, (laughs) But but we talk about all those likes and dislikes. And by the end of the episode, much with... We we watch the Orville on Discord. We have After Dark, where we're watching Voyager. After we've got Babylon Five, we've got Twilight Zone. We've got a lot of stuff. After after watching and sharing these episodes and listening to the the varied perspectives that that our patrons bring, my perspective is often changed and always embellished. There is, gosh, especially last week, I think. The mm. week before, such an opportunity to connect with personal stories from one another. Yes, and those things—that's that's the reason why 
Paul goes and drives to Trekfest to meet Alan <laughs> and Heather sits here in South Florida crying. Okay, I didn't cry, but I was uh, very envious that my friends were getting together and, and I because I, I want to meet Alan someday. And, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> hope that will happen. And it's we Strange New Worlds is every Wednesday night at what, 9 p.m. Eastern, mm-hmm. um, which makes it 6 p.m. Pacific and right there on our Discord. Super easy to find. So much else going on on Discord. I can't yeah. even. Please come and join us. Uh, seriously, my favorite people. I, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that good enough? You think people I, I, I think that's great. Now? I think it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, Jane said it in the chat. You will love Discord. And if Jane says it, I mean, look, that she's not wrong. You're not going to argue with Jane, are you? No, 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 no I will not. not. Just one of the fabulous people who is part of our community there, patreon.com slash mission log. That gets you in the door, and then you get a private invitation link to our Discord. And for anybody who hasn't done that before, there's a ton of text threads, which are a lot of fun. Just kind of go pop in and leave messages and, and conversations there. But these live chats are like this, but unlike this, they're not really hosted. Everybody's on live all at once, and we just get to have this huge conversation very often funny sometimes very topical sometimes very personal and we really have gotten into each other there and i love it like you i look forward to it every week can't wait for what this week brings and there's a little something for everyone topical episode discussion contiki about conventions like you said twilight zone babylon 5 chat all kinds of stuff so join us patreon.com slash mission log we will see you there Okay. You will be assimilated. You will. <laughs> In the right. best way. In the best way. It's like a friendly kind of assimilation. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's go right over to the guy who got the memo about the t-shirt. That's Alan. <laughs> Welcome hey to guys. the show, Alan. <laughs> yes, John, Heather, so good to see you. And yes, the, the Mission Log Patreon, where we're... Uh, we're we're Gerardi Borg. We're not. We're not. Uh, <laughs> you're not yeah, you're you're not the, that other kind of Borg. No, no we're the good so, kind. It's yeah, yeah it's yeah, completely yeah. all right. Yeah, you will to, be welcome. Uh, how was try? I look. I have to assume knowing you and knowing Paul getting together must have been great. How that was, was tra- yeah. It was. It was unbelievable. Um, you know, I've been talking up Trek Fest for a while. Oh, hold on a second. I gotta. yes Ah. yeah okay there you go take a big slug of that yeah very good delicious (laughs) um but yeah it was uh everything you'd uh hope for (laughs) you know your small town of i think i think we heard 1100 people Um. who do a star trek uh themed town festival every year it was it was amazing. The parade, wow. the costume contest, the model uh, show, which uh, he was a bit uh, apparently uh, too modest to mention, but Mr. Harvath came in uh, second place in the sci-fi <gasps> what? division. Of course he did. Of course he did. Brilliant. Bravo, Paul. And Bravo. Uh, yeah, yes. you get to, uh, you know, have some really cool up to, up close conversations with you know, people like, you know, Chase Masterson and Lolita Fajo, um, uh, John Paragon, who does a lot of the makeup for things like conventions and, you know, some of the projects that 
the Star Trek folks have been associated with. So yeah, it's a great time. And Amazing. you know, I, you, Heather, you're on you're you're on the invite list. <laughs> you can come whenever you feel like. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Thank yeah. you. Cool. So yeah, there's there's actually yeah, we were like this was fun, but we gotta get more people here next time. <laughs> yeah. So and, right. and John yeah, yeah, and John, the one thing that I regret is I did not get a chance to uh say hi in person to was it Todd from the from the from the from the podcast. Um the guy who um, who came out to from uh from Alabama or Mississippi or wherever he's from. Oh. And, um I'm trying to think of who that is who came yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. He was uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The and, MC and, guy. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, in, in our, yeah. Uh, well, next time. This is the goal for next year then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> well, that is awesome, man. And I'm, I'm glad you got to hang out. Glad you got the t shirt to prove it all. So, um, but, but tell us about, uh, Ad Astra. Uh, what, uh, what are we thinking about tonight's episode? What are we thinking about indeed? Yes. Um, just, you know, n- <laughs> It's always nice when when there's a uh uh what is it a a target rich environment <laughs> crops up for Star Trek. Um I do want to sort of uh continue on from a point Heather that you were just making uh about the applicability of this episode uh because one of the one of the criticisms that I have seen pop up and it's a little dis- despairing and a little disheartening is I've seen mm. some some posts and some in some places saying things like, well, but, Bash- you know, they did Bashir having the same problems in Deep Space Nine. So mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Is it really worth it? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what's the problem? And first of all, it's not exactly Star Trek's fault that we still have to have this conversation, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Um very true. Uh but you know, every every I think this this shows a good first step. Uh and uh if I may go on a little bit of a tangent, something that we've discussed a little bit on the Discord that isn't necessarily Star Trek related mm-hmm. is all of our love of the Defunct Land podcast. <laughs> yes. And, yes, of course. Yeah, in its many, mm-hmm. many episodes. And one of the ones that they did was on the the Disneyland uh uh teen dance club from the eighties, Videopolis. And in that, uh, I learned that uh, there's a certain timeline for uh, uh, that relates to dancing at Disneyland. And Mm. from practically the start of Disneyland through the early 80s, same-sex dancing was prohibited altogether uh, at Disneyland. However, in... 1981 i think uh two uh two men were dancing together and were escorted out of disneyland wound up suing and uh they won their case but in a weird sort of ruling it was decided that this ruling applied specifically to those two men (laughs) so much much like what has happened with una here in this episode Wow. That, uh, you know, in this one particular case, 
everything's you know we have we have, we were wrong, but you know we're everything's cool. Um, flash mm. forward to a couple of years later, and they drop the the requirement altogether because when they open the the dance club, they're like, well, sometimes you know kids are more comfortable dancing with their friends, and it takes some of the social pressure off. If you've just got mm. a group of people, and who's really dancing with who? Can we really say? Um, you know, and then flash forward to 2023 and a couple of weeks ago, they had an official pride night. So, yeah. yes, you know, yeah, progress. Yeah, yes, progress. I, I just came back from Pride Month at Disney. So, yeah. and I have, I got a very spiffy little like happy pride uh, water bottle. Hey, you got a show and, and tell too. That's great. Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> um, before, I, and we've lost it in the chat, but I did go back and, mm-hmm. and write a note that Carlos mentioned mm-hmm. Jesse Gender's reaction to this episode. And I bring it up oh, because I have not yeah. seen. Um, if she did a video about this, we've had Jesse as a guest before. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend look like go on Twitter, social, I say Twitter, but any social media mm-hmm. and go look for the stories, like go look for the reactions from people in marginalized communities. Like, like we said, this episode can really apply to everyone, but yeah. again, I have seen a lot of conversation in the trans community about how special and important this episode is. And I think that it's so valuable yeah. for us to take the initiative to go seek those other perspectives and really understand how, and again, it's not, not just Jesse's. There are many perspectives out there and we should seek them all because this episode did speak to many people and there's a lot of value in the knowledge that they're sharing about their experiences. Uh, great idea. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll definitely have to add Jesse's video to my playlist because uh, she is awesome and I'm okay. sure had a lot to say about this. And uh, Alan, thank you for bringing that up because yeah. uh, that is such an interesting, obscure real life parallel that I would not have known about. Um, but I think it, it does speak to what we can look at is it, it is a happy ending in the respect that we get our crew person back, that Una's back on the Enterprise, that she wins for the day. But yeah. what does it say about all the other people in her position or a similar position um, who still need to be recognized? And you can look at that as a real downside of this decision. But then what you hope happens is that that one brick that has been knocked out of this particular wall is enough to start the crumbling of the rest of that wall. When you normalize at least for one person, then the next one that comes along and the next one after that, it has just become normalized enough for everybody else to go, Oh, okay, wait, we did this. The world didn't end. I, you know, hopefully those prejudices start to crumble as well. And it makes yeah. it that much easier for the next one, the next one, the next one until, like you said, well, in that case, 40 years. But I, I think even faster than that, where our acceptance of same sex dancing together at a, Ooh, okay. at, you know, at a, at a nightclub or, you know, a band playing, we don't even think twice about it. Or at least I hope we don't think nobody in this room thinks twice about it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, Um, 
Well, Alan, I, I'm going to ask you if you got one final thought because we got uh, three more callers to get to, and I cannot wait to hear from them as well. Absolutely. But uh, I want to hear if you got a, a final thought to leave us with. Uh, I do have one final uh, thought, and um, uh, it's lovely that uh, Star Trek is so fond of Latin. And so I'll leave you uh, with these two words Serva Prodigio. Which means <laughs> save prodigy. Yes. Ah! I love it. There we go. Well done. Well done. Bravo. All yes. right. Let's let's get that out there. Let's get that trending too. In we'll Latin. see you yeah. next week, next week, and next week. Yes. All right. See you then, love my it. friend. Bye. Bye. Take care. All right. Let's jump right into it with John Arminio. John, John, welcome. How Hi. are you? Yeah, I'm I'm great. Uh, Good. Uh, we've had some amazing Call, so I just want to thank everybody for the wonderful conversation they've already brought to the table. Week, um, week after week, I'm I'm always yeah. impressed with the quality of people who call in and the quality of ideas that get discussed. So that's you know we're we're lucky. We have this amazing yes. audience, and and you are a part of it. So no, well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's up? Um, all right. So first, most importantly, the. Strange New World design of the um, dress uniforms is just on fire. Um, no. <laughs> no, uh, anyway. Um, I, I feel I, like I, I love the uniforms, but I, the epaulets are just a little too big. Just scale those back mm. 10%. That, that's all I ask. That's it. All just right. stand further away, John. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all I need to do. Um, yeah. So for me, I, I was really taken by the uh, asylum angle that the episode took um you know because for me i really think that that is sort of like maybe star trek doesn't like me using this language but like a a sacred duty Mm -hmm. um if you're in a position to give shelter and sucker to somebody in need people fleeing from oppression it's your job like you have to help those people um and you know you know just recently we've seen hundreds of people seeking asylum or at least a new home drown in the mediterranean Mm -hmm. um and we consistently see governments shirk that responsibility so even if legal arguments from all logic point to it's your job to take in the tired poor and huddled masses we run away from that responsibility in real life so as inspiring as this episode is i have to think that if these legal arguments were made in in a 21st century courtroom they would be rejected um because, you know, we've seen all sorts of crazy illogical decisions made by our own Supreme Court. Um, and so that's part of what I I think Star Trek is necessary. Because I think it can really show us the way to at least start the conversation to, like, say, like, we have to help people who are victims of oppression even if it's our own systemic oppression and we have to recognize what we have done to marginalized groups so we can then be better. Yeah. Well said. I, uh, there was, there was a, um, a quote in here, like right when we're meeting Una 
where they're about to leave with the counselor. She's like, how can he counsel me when he works for you? And I thought that was such a strong statement about the mm-hmm. legal system in general um, and, and leads yeah. into this because a lot of the people representing those, those people seeking asylum are not always the right people to do that job. Um, and again, yeah, that's just an, another community that this episode speaks for, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That was really great observation. I mean, if you hear accounts of like immigration and asylum courts, you know, they're doing like dozens and dozens of cases a day. A a person seeking it who, you know, has traveled for months across hazardous terrain from people who are trying to kill them. They get like five minutes in front of a judge to plead their case in in a language that they they don't speak very well. So it's, you know, Una has, you know, a an elite level civil rights lawyer on her side, the crew of the enterprise on her side. And that's the only way she was able to get the asylum for this one specific case. But thousands upon thousands of people seeking asylum around the world. Don't, don't get that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this episode ended with this was a narrow decision and it's a start. And, and so I appreciate that aspect. Absolutely. As well. And I did appreciate that. They also pointed out Una's privilege throughout this. I thought that that was important as well. I think, John, you're making an excellent point about the reality of the injustices of our justice system. And I, I hope, I hope that what this episode does is it speaks to something that we can very clearly understand when that doesn't work in the real world, in this Mm. complex bureaucracy. Um, But what you said earlier speaks to something that is very fundamentally humanistic, which is on the one side, you have this the the learned trait of prejudice towards someone or toward a class or a group versus the innate understanding that we have to help people who need help. And these two things are at odds the more and more complex the system gets. And in this case here, in in this fiction, we have the human, well, represented also by a Tellarite and a Vulcan, <laughs> we have the, the human tendency to then step back and say, what's actually more important here? What's more important, what, what trumps everything else, what the default position should be, we help the person now who needs help. The other thing is up for debate. And they made a good case to say, hey, we came from the eugenics wars. Millions of people die, blah, blah, blah. This is why these things are here. We're not going to solve that right away. And they're right. And what we're all hoping here in the audience and that show being representative of what our ideals are, what we're hoping is that conversation actually doesn't stop when you know, in this case, the cameras are off or in the in universe, they walk out of that room and they actually try to parse how to make those things compatible. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you presented it in the way that you did. And uh, that is excellent food for thought. Thank you. Yeah, great comments. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and John, we're going to say goodbye just so unless you've got a, a final thought here. We'll, we'll jump over to our last two callers in a moment. Just that, you know, I think Star Trek is one of the those franchises that excels at um, reevaluating its own morality 
Um, so it, especially that's why I love Star Trek six so much that it's mm-hmm. looking back on itself and trying to grow from where it came from. And so that's another reason to love this episode. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank we'll you. see you again soon. Thank I hope, you. uh, by the way, in the chat, our very own Norman Lau with the <laughs> hashtag save Star Trek and, uh, sorry, save Star Trek prodigy, of course. And then, uh, Scott Palm, we need Star Trek. Yes, we do for many, many reasons. So thank you. And Norman saying good night to everyone. He's got rabbits demanding Aww. his attention. So he needs Bye, to Norm. Bye, Norm. All right. Well, Norm, just for you, and you can listen to the replay later. We're going to talk to our uh, next to last guest, our penultimate caller, Sheree. And then uh, <laughs> I believe Sam is still standing by. So Sheree, good to see you. And uh, what is on your mind tonight? Oh, well, uh, I just loved this episode. So most of this is just going to be me, me gushing. Um, you're sitting in front of my favorite scene and I showed it to my mom <laughs> last night. I was, she hasn't watched any strange new worlds, but definitely knows Star Trek introduced me to Star Trek. And it was just like, look, here's all the context you need. Blah, blah, blah. They're sitting in the mess hall. Boom. <laughs> Box reaction. Gold. Laugh out loud. Gold. Yes. Yeah, I definitely that was definitely I felt like a good response to my my complaint that Spock's been too emotional. I I did like that was that was a good that was a good Vulcan. Yes. Yes. He was great. <laughs> uh so I really enjoyed this episode. I actually hadn't expected to because not that I have anything against Una, but I felt like, well, we know she's coming back. So I didn't really feel like mm. I was going to be surprised by anything they did. Like I was like, eh, yeah, they'll right. do something. They'll, sure. <laughs> they'll sure. do something. She'll come back. It, I didn't feel like there were, I wasn't sure if they'd be able to hold my attention because I would, knew what the outcome was going to be but they they managed to do a great episode because it didn't matter what the outcome was <laughs> exactly. um, it's just a really great episode um and i really loved the metaphor and that her lawyer was black because as someone who is mixed race um i am very familiar with the idea of passing and that was what flashed to me that was a really interesting to me because i actually did watch jesse's video afterwards and i hadn't mm-hmm. even thought of how it relates to the LGBT community. Cause the first thing for me was my own personal experiences. I'm mixed race and um, I have passed at different points in my life, not on purpose, but yeah. it's just, it comes with the territory if you, you know, people can't tell. Yeah. Um, so I can relate to Una's journey and sort of the guilt kind of retroactive guilt. When I look back at certain things in my life and I'm like, Oh, I got that because I look white. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. Not, not for any other reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I just I really loved that, and I really loved that um, the message of the show wasn't just like tied up in a little bow, and it was like everything is perfect at the end. It was like no, this is just a step. This yeah. is a step, and I love that they did that because too many. I feel like too many episodes of just TV in general, not just Star Trek, but just TV in general, is just like we fixed everything just at the end of the episode and I'm like that's not how the real world yeah. works so i yes. loved yes i loved that they they didn't say that it's like still you get the feel good feeling but you you acknowledge that like everything is not fixed yeah <laughs> yeah 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 um what what else <laughs> i'm curious <laughs> uh i i did 
think it was kind of hilarious, though, that uh, when, like, in the context of the episode, yes, uh, Uhura protecting the personal logs, good. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. what you need to do. In the context of Star Trek as a whole, when have personal logs ever been private? There are so oh. many episodes where people <laughs> just, like, like I can just, off the top of my head, like, the you know, in Discovery, when she's like, oh, could I just access my brother's personal logs? sure we don't know what kind of relationship you haven't talked to your brother in years but sure of course um and then like um i oh i immediately uh, even just watching the episode and taking notes uh, i was flashing back to scenes in like ds9 and tng where a captain or somebody walks into somebody's quarters the person isn't there and then they say computer play personal logs like what (laughs) yeah (laughs) i like like that going on After yeah. this, I feel like Ahura's personal logs are probably just like a little diary with a lock on them and being like, I don't trust any of you. <laughs> Aww. That, that, that's actually adorable. Yes. I like in, in the chat, Mark is saying, preach it, sure. And I totally <laughs> preach it 100%. Yes. Yes. And, and I just uh, also, I was joking with uh, my boyfriend that actually Ahura is the only security for all of Starfleet for the personal logs. And that's why in the in the future, once she's gone, like, people can just access people's personal logs because it's not like it's not there's not a computer security you literally have to ask ahura and if ahura says yes you can access the personal that, logs. That's it. Says, no you can't but once ahura is gone anyone can access personal logs forever that's it that's it that answers it all perfect <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh but we we're at 10 o'clock uh, or 11 o'clock, depending on where you are. We got one more call to get in because I want to hear from Sam. Any final thought here before we say goodnight? Uh, just, I I just love this episode so much. And actually, it made me also think of, um, I was listening to Women at Warp as well. Um, mm-hmm. And when they were talking about Strange New Worlds, uh, one of them um, called it Safe New Worlds. And sometimes <laughs> I do get that vibe from it. I like it a lot, but there, there is that vibe sometimes. But I loved mm-hmm. the fact that this episode was not that. And yes. I really appreciated it. 100%. Awesome. Thank you so much for calling in, and I hope we get to see you again soon. All right. <laughs> you too, <laughs> Heather. <laughs> Good night. All right. Bye. Wrapping up the show tonight is Sam. Sam, usually right in the middle of our live chats and, and after dark, but tonight wrapping it all up for us. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Yeah, good to see you guys. Good. Yeah. Well, what is on your mind tonight? <laughs> yeah, so I... I I just had a chance to watch this episode, uh, like right before this. And I had, so I had to call in because wow. Um, I hope that means, I I hope that means you'll join Heather's chat tomorrow night in Discord if you're free. I I will try. Sorry, Wednesday night. Wednesday. Wednesday. That's okay. Yes. Um, because so there, there's obviously a lot of, um, there was a direct analogy to, to all the persecuted people. I mean, they mentioned yes. it by name, right? Yeah. And, um, but I, I, I want to gr- I want to go to the literal um, thing on trial was genetic modification mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that is a buzzword GMO that gets thrown around a lot today. And, you know, it ch- like was said in the episode, it, it, it's a tool. It's not, yes. it's not the tool itself. It's the application of the tool, right? Yes. And, 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 um, you know, we benefit from GMOs and genetic modification all day, every day. So we've never had a problem with it in the past. You know, we decided to do agriculture. We decided to have 
we made all the vegetables and fruits the least bitter, the most nutritious, the most crop yielding, and it has fed the world. You you can't just let that go. Yeah, 10,000 um, years ago, we made a banana you could actually eat instead right. of a long, grassy thing that would kill you. Yes. Right. So yes. so you can't say genetic modification bad. That, that doesn't make any sense, yes. right? So that, I mean, I understand that that was all selective breeding. So it was an outside-in versus a direct inside-out, mm-hmm. literally changing the genes. But... The idea is the same. Just the fact that we can do it more accurately now and we're only going to get better uh, can only save us more if it's used for those uh, purposes. Um, So this, what I love about this episode is it's trying to say that um, the other, the other half of this that I want to just mention also is general order one and its application because they even mentioned that it's it you know it's coming up on being called the prime directive right and i like the word directive because it's not a law it's not an absolute black and white it is think before you act and think of it in these ways so it's and and i love that they put the admiral on there and said hey all those times that you decided because you mm-hmm. thought it was the right thing to do uh-huh. but you when you made those decisions you made it with the idea like yes we don't want to interfere with a, a native evolution but if it's outweighed by saving them we will choose to save them or we will choose to save our friend or all the number of times they've done it in star trek it, it doesn't it's not an absolute thing and that is what's so good and that's what they're saying in this episode is that genetic modification isn't an absolutism um and I love that she was able to say, look at the diversity of Star Trek. Why can't I be included? What an interesting thing to say directly to Star Trek. I think John mentioned it earlier. It's Star Trek discussing Star Trek. Yeah. Um, Because they've always had this thing. And even it's even in the prosecution. She says, um, you know, we can't do this. It goes against natural evolution. We're playing God. Like, Mm -hmm. no, we, this, we, we've we've invented medicine we extend life and i don't understand the idea that you can't do that to one species artificially over naturally like why does naturally have to be the course why does evolution have to be selected naturally we we don't do that in in our in our society so when i see a vulcan that's super strong and lives 200 years why can't a human you know, why can't we make mm-hmm. that happen for a human? Because it naturally happened for a Vulcan. They get to have it, but it didn't naturally happen to a human. So we don't get to have it. I don't right. understand that line, that, that drawing that line in the sand. So I love that they that, that she brought up the, the connectedness to the prime directive, because, yeah. yes, we don't want to we don't want to interfere with natural selection or natural evolution of a society or a person if they don't consent to it, or if we think that it it might hurt them and we want to consider that harm before interfering, but we can also consider the benefit that could happen. And if that outweighs the harm, then we can decide to break that rule and say, this is a case, but the rule exists to force you to think before you act. Yes. 
100% preach on. <laughs> I love it. Always came out of the episode. I, I, I had Damn. to come I, on I, and I say love it. it. I love it. That, that, that's why we love having our chats with you on Thursday afternoons. And that's why I'm so glad you called into the show tonight. Man, imagine you just, you just watch it right before this. Got to get it off your chest. I love that. I love that. Uh, all right, man. By the way, you're coming to Vegas, right? Yes. I cannot wait. I cannot <laughs> wait to get to do all of this in person. And anybody who's listening tonight or or later when this goes out on the uh, podcast stream, uh, make sure you let us know if you're going to be in Vegas because a lot of stuff happening for our Patreon supporters and just in general at the Roddenberry stage. So uh, give us a shout. Okay, Sam, thank you so much for closing yeah. out with that. Love it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Till next time, man. Be good. Heather, Bye. thank you. Thank you. A blast to uh, do my first episode of Strange New Worlds with you for the season. Uh, well, I, we'll, I, mm-hmm. I will be up for another three hours for anyone who wants to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, head over to Discord or wherever and uh, see Heather there. All right. Well, with that, Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the incongruent Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you, Heather Barker, for getting us going with Strange New World Season 2. And next week, be sure to join Norman and Heather back with a recap and review of Strange New Worlds Episode 3. We look forward to seeing you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.